Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Leader's Impact, a podcast for business owners, managers, change makers, and anyone keen to get along in the world of business. I'm Steve from Ira Software, and our guest today needs little introduction. It is the wonderful Carl Reader. Now, the reason I've asked Carl to join me today is because we want to talk more around how small businesses in particular and what they can do to ride the recession wave in best ways possible. Businesses have struggled for the last few years, and we've seen a real kind of shift between those that have seeked the opportunity and have a growth mindset compared to those that really just want a stable business and are trying to keep themselves afloat. So let's start all around that area. Carl, as we've mentioned before, you've worked with a number of small businesses in your time across multiple industries, as well as running a number of them yourselves. So first of all, thank you for joining me. The first question I kind of got for you is all around, do, do we see it as a, a 50-50 split in the small business community for those that want to grow versus those that want to stay afloat? So... I would say that superficially, we might see that kind of balance. However, if we were to dig a little bit deeper, if we were to look under the surface, I would say that whilst 50% might say, yeah, they're pushing forwards, they want new customers, they want new clients. Actually, part of that growth for a good proportion of that 50% is driven by fear. It's driven mm. by their concern about the loss out of a back door, maybe their customers going out of business, their customers reducing discretionary spend and so on. So um, from speaking to business owners in some quite confidential conversations, together with some quite high level um, non-confidential conversations, what I would say is that whilst there's definitely a good proportion who are looking to grow, if we were to look at the motivation behind the growth and to really unpick it, those who are looking to survive, it's probably much higher number. And it's an interesting dynamic between that, isn't it? Because if, if we cast our mind back over the last couple of years, not just around kind of the, the more immediate kind of impacts we've seen on the economy, but also around obviously the, the, the pandemic and things like that. Even further back, and we think about previous recessions uh, and previous problems, small businesses have always been kind of having this kind of balancing act between growing and maybe in some regards overstepping to then having to then fight to, to stay afloat. And it does feel that there's no single SME that's ever been out there that's only ever gone down one path and continued with it. It feels like actually everybody's had a bit of both. Completely. It's um, if, if we were to visualize a graph here, Steve, it's very much a stepped graph. And mm. what I tend to see, and I've, I've experienced myself in my businesses, is that you don't get consistent 10%, 20%, 30% year on year growth. As much as we would all love to have that, um, underneath what is perhaps that headline is a load of steps. And yeah. when you look at the steps, those steps might be monthly, they might be quarterly, they might be yearly, they might be five yearly, you know, depending on um, your ability to pivot and your, um, you know, your, the way you can drive through this. But on those steps, you'll find that small businesses will have an idea. They might be, it might be a new product, new service. It might just be they're reinvigorated with their original dream of what they're doing. So there might yeah. be some kind of carrot or some kind of stick. You know, they um, they all want the money. They can't afford um, their Christmas presents this year. Whatever you know, there might be there might be a capital stick that forces the growth. The growth then happens, and they chuck their resources into it. They um, they perhaps staff up. They perhaps start spending on marketing in ways that they haven't done before. Um, they they start to see the results of this, and it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. This is good. Do more of it. This is good. Do more of it. And then they hit a tipping point. And that tipping point is um, what is known when it get when it gets too bad, it's known as overtrading. Where yeah. they've they've just put too much into growth and they haven't focused on either the operations, so they're letting their customers down, or their cash management, or another part of the business. So um, so we see this, and then they hit the point of overtrading. Hopefully they notice it before it's a real issue. They then mm -hmm. retrench, they focus internally, they develop their systems, they create more reports to make sure they never get in this situation again. They then have this dream or this idea or this stick and off it goes again. So, um, so that's the general trend. Whilst when you step back and you look at it, it might look like growth. 
actually it's something that all businesses go through and it is that stepped approach where they put they put their foot on the pedal and then possibly just touch on the brakes for a little while to then start going again and that kind of the, the, that stepped approach that you've just explored there kind of feels very much as like a for most businesses it's a pendulum swinging isn't it between growth then back to stay in the flow or to just steady in the waters but often enough that that kind of that stepped approach and as you described it that tapping on the brakes can happen for multiple reasons either a case of it's something internal to the point like you said maybe they've recognized they're over trading and therefore need to slow down a little bit or it can be a, an external factor and i wonder whether the external factors obviously we've seen over the last couple of years are causing more and more businesses to kind of put themselves on the brake or ultimately think actually i need to steady the ship for a little bit longer there is a decline in the number of smes in the uk uh, for the first time in a number of years based upon the, the latest results from the office of national statistics and bankruptcies and insolvencies are actually on the rise year on year and i believe that the stats is that there have been more than four times the number of compulsory liquidations than this time a year ago so it does feel that maybe the pendulum swinging as a kind of a proportion, more towards the fighting to stay afloat. So, Carl, in all of the conversations you've had with SMEs and in your own business experience, do you think that there's more swinging towards the, the staying afloat because of some of these external factors? And on that point, over the last couple of years, do we think that, that there's been another change that's caused this? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, has another change caused this? Absolutely, COVID. Um, yeah, I, I think that if we use um, the pandemic as an example, because we've been alluding to the fact that all businesses have done this, um, as we headed face first into the pandemic, pretty much every business apart from DPD, DHL and so on had to put their foot on the brakes because it was, um, it was a catastrophic external event, but no... Well, we could have foreseen, let's be honest, we, we did hear about this stuff on the news, but we didn't correct, I, I, I speak for what I believe is most of us, it's certainly based on most conversations I had, we didn't gauge quite the impact and the longevity of COVID. Um, you know, I think very few of us actually believed there would be a lockdown here. Um, I was one of the disbelievers who didn't actually think it would get here naively. Um, when we did lockdown, I thought it was a 21-day problem. You know, I had this misguided belief, Steve, that if it's um, seven days of illness and seven days quarantine, as they're talking about, then give it another seven days for comfort and we'll all be done by 21 days. I did, you know, I, re I really, and I'm happy to share my um, humility, I, I didn't know the, um, the, the staggering impact of a pandemic. And I think many others, whilst we might have read books or seen sci-fi films, we didn't truly get it. So the pendulum impacts all businesses at all different times. Um, what what I would just comment about the um, the pendulum as well is before before we look in more detail is that for small businesses the pendulum is really quite worrying because in the early days the pendulum swings and the swing of the pendulum if you try if listeners are perhaps with a bit of a bigger business try and cast your mind back to the startup days and to the startups, apologies if you find this quite dismissive, um, but the pain does get worse before it gets better, unfortunately. In the early days, when the pendulum's swinging, the growth is not necessarily extremely aggressive. You know, the growth might be, if you're a service business, going from taking on one or two customers per month to taking on five customers per month. That's fast growth at that point. Um, but the, the swing on the other side, again, is, um, is a case of, working a couple of hours in the evening to patch up what's going wrong. And it, there's not too much of an issue. As teams grow and as customer numbers grow and as the numbers get bigger, the pendulum swing is faster and faster. So if you imagine the swing at the park where you push it and you, yeah, when you've got your um, six-month-old toddler on there, you, you want to wrap them up in cotton wool, don't you? And you just it's the gentlest of taps. But as the business gets bigger, as the child gets bigger, you're pushing it harder and harder and the swing goes up more and more of each side. And as that happens, the um, the growth on one side is greater because you've got more initial resources to invest into the growth. You've got more traction. You've got um, more doors open for you because of what you've done before. But on the flip side, the potential risk of the, um, of the pendulum, yeah, when you look at having to put the brakes on, having to cut overheads, 
Um, it goes from cutting overheads to having to make redundancies. It goes yeah. from um, you know trying to you know trying to put a system in place in the early days to trying to unwind a system where you've got a whole load of vested interests from team members where some people will have job protection and want to protect the system because that's what they believe they do and others will be working against it for different ways. So, so actually the pendulum impact um, gets worse and worse up until you're at the point where you've, you've got um, more than enough financial headroom or very strong backers, but you've also got a very strong team that can actually focus on preventing the pendulum swing. And that might seem like madness. Why would you want to keep the pendulum in the middle? Well, that's where sanity is. And you wouldn't be listening to this yeah. podcast if your pendulum was banging the middle and things were just trucking along as you want. So, so yeah, the pendulum happens to all businesses as far as I'm concerned. Every single business has, has these growing pains as team members are bedded in, new services are bedded in, as growth happens, as operational developments happen. They're all examples of either side of a pendulum. Now, we, I, I, I believe, if we're all honest with ourselves, we've experienced that pendulum over the last couple of years, perhaps a little bit more intensely than we've ever experienced it before. So previously, as I said, the pendulum might be we'd have to work a few extra hours, but we had the very real impacts of, um, if we use the analogy of pushing the child on the slide, we've had a bigger mm. kid come up and just knock it sideways in the pandemic <laughs> we've had a situation outside of our control so what's happened is that pendulum rather than going back and forth on business as normal has actually sort of swung out a little bit out of control and we've had to do whatever we can to grab the you know grab the child on the swing grab the pendulum and try to normalize it and i think that that's been i, I guess the the factors leading up to where we are today um, even from a big picture, because if we look extremely big picture, Steve, we're not going to talk about business in this section. We'll talk about mm. very big picture. COVID was an unexpected strike of the normal pendulum that we have as a as a global economy. The pendulum yeah. is that we have boom and bust. And I know that certain prime ministers said no more boom and bust, but I don't think we've seen the booms or busts end globally. And then yeah. all of a sudden we had this... Um, this bigger kid come over, you know, this virus, knock that pendulum out. And the impact of that shake of that, it well, it caused America and North Korea to patch things up. If we remember, mm. if we cast our minds back to um, February 2020, we had Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump about to hit the big red button against each other. So it calmed some things down. It certainly took focus away from some big picture issues. Um, you know, some positively taking it away, some negatively. You know, attention wasn't particularly on climate change at the start of COVID and things like this. Um, so it took attention away from other big picture issues, but it's brought out other big picture issues. And it probably would have had some form of impact. I'm no expert on this, but to the situation in Ukraine, um, to the cost of living crisis we're facing here in the UK, et cetera, et cetera. The, the, um, the sideswipe to that pendulum has meant that we're in these uncertain times. And now our job is to try and steady that pendulum to make sure that our businesses are stable. And it, it, a lot of this that we talked about, and you just mentioned it there, this, uh, the cost of living crisis, for a lot of business owners, it's kind of double fold, isn't it? Because there's the cost of living physically at home and kind of the 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 day-to-day -day running of the household right the the fact that the cost of fuel is going up it, it price inflation on the items that we're buying in our personal lives it is all going up so a business owner is feeling it on the, the personal side of things and then on the professional side of things and, and within their own businesses they're struggling and concerned around the day-to-day -day running costs i mean the cost of fuels for anyone that's in kind of any lo kind of logistics company is going through the roof for people the fact of raw materials the cost of labor and general transportation is also a huge area of cost increase so they're almost getting kind of like double bubble on the the, the cost of living and the cost of running a business yeah if not more than that because there is the um, double bubble of cost of living, which is impacting discretionary customer spend. And let, let's not forget the entrepreneur as well. You know, yeah. again, I was um, speaking to another director of a mainstream bank and a different mainstream bank who was telling me that um, he was really concerned about his mortgage costs doubling and everything else. 
And this guy should be set up for life, but he's concerned. Yeah. I was speaking to a CEO of um, what was a listed company. It's been acquired and, and delisted since. But again, um, he was concerned about his personal circumstances as well as his business's circumstances, as well as his employees' circumstances. So we've got the um, the cost of living, which is impacting 99.9% of us. This isn't a split between the one percenters and the rest or the higher rate taxpayers and the rest. Unless you're the super, super wealthy, as in you've got a yacht or two, it's affecting you in some ways, biting. Um, and that might sound flippant if anybody's listening and thinking, well, well, you know, surely somebody earning £100,000 a year is more insulated to this than I am, and my business is turning £15,000 profit. It is absolutely biting across the board. Um, you know, it's a very real impact personally and impacting entrepreneurs as well as end customers. We've then yeah. got the cost of doing business. So as you've mentioned, the logistics costs, things being passed over. Um, we've got, obviously, if goods are imported, we've got the currency fluctuations and so on. We've then got on top of that, Steve, because I think it's not just double bubble. We've then got the mm. tax impact. We know that taxes are yeah. rising and they're looking to rise even further. So we've got the cost of doing business in terms of overheads, but we've also got the cost of doing businesses as in how much of it we actually keep. Um, so that's been, then the, um, I guess, the third impact that we've got here. Um, we've then got on top of all of that, we've got the very real situation that we've got a talent shortage but we don't have unemployment to the level we've had before yeah. and that's a really peculiar situation to get my head around you know recessions <laughs> normally mean unemployment and it's quite uncharted territory to um, to be in a place where there's quite a competitive talent market but um but we're actually in a recessionary time so you put all of that together and then you add a sprinkling of the competitive landscape as well onto that. And what I mean by that is when small businesses are dealing with major corporates, many of them sign up for the prompt payment code and try to do the right thing. But there are a few who still act as if it's the 1970s. And um, I know particularly you know, in the um, consumer retail space, things like demanding retros, retrospective discounts and you know, all, all sorts of tricks are still commonplace, 90-day payment terms and so on. Actually, all yeah. of a sudden, you've got a torrid time for business owners where they're facing cost increases across the board. Um, the Sometimes the larger businesses are squeezing them as their source of funding, and the small businesses feel like they've got nowhere to turn because they go to the bank that likes to say yes, and they say no. Yeah. And the, the point you make about late payments is very prudent because I know that is, I think the statistics on the 19% of SMEs experience late payments on a monthly basis, which is putting a big strain on their cash flow. And we know that right now, cash is definitely king for these businesses. So if they've got all of these fourfold, as we've just explored, different uh, impacts on their business, and at the same point, they're also receiving their own money late, that's having an added effect to everything. And those kind of late payments is, as you said, everyone's being squeezed across the board for it. It doesn't just mean that it's one supply, actually it's across the whole supply chain for it. And you can start to understand why more and more businesses are going, actually, I, I kind of want to halt my growth aspirations. I want to get that pendulum, as we said, the swing back under control before I start going forwards. But some of it also has, uh, not just from a financial and a business impact, uh, on a personal point, a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs and even employees have been struggling mentally off the back of the last kind of three years. The the lack of contact, physical contact with people and seeing people. I mean, obviously, as we said previously, normally going back a couple of years, we'd have been doing this podcast face to face in the same room. Obviously, we're using technology to do that uh, virtually today. But maybe we've lost that part of the human nature and things. And that's making people more kind of introvert to say, actually, I, I want to slow down the growth. I want to slow these things down because my head's not in the right place. Is that something you've seen with uh, small business owners and entrepreneurs? Definitely. And you know, you've tapped onto a really important point here around mindset and mental health. And I'm going to separate the two of them because mindset contributes to mental health. Um, mm. But I think that we need to do both of those justice. And um, look, look, to, be a, to be an entrepreneur at the moment, you know, you... 
I, I often say you wouldn't do this stuff for no reason. And you certainly don't do it for, uh, despite what everybody might think, for lifestyle or profit. You know, people presume that people who start a business are planning to work on a laptop on a beach and earn millions and millions. And the reality is we all know business 101 is you've got to choose which path you want. And if you want to be on the beach, you're probably going to be working in a bar alongside that to pay for living on a beach. And if you want to be making yeah. millions, you're going to sacrifice all holidays for however many years. So, yeah, that's the brutal reality of entrepreneurship. And there's something else that drives people. And it's that it, it's often a need to be in control. So it's to be in control of making that decision which way you go, to be in control of the time you work, to be in control of who you work with, how you work, so on and so forth. Um, but the, the problem that I observed over the pandemic to begin with was that at a greater level than I'd ever seen before, business owners were feeling that lack of control and that uncomfortable place that they've not been in for some time. Now, again, mm. employees listening to this might feel that, you know, well, you know, I, I, I have limited control anyway, so hey, so be it. But actually, during the pandemic, employees had, I, I contend employees had more control than they've had in their lifetime in the roles that they were doing. Okay, so despite being locked down and so on, you were able to choose if you had a reasonable employer, what times you were working so that you could work around homeschooling yeah. and so on. You could choose whether you worked in the bathroom or the kitchen or the living room or the dining room or the garden. You could choose your working environment. You know, there was a number of factors that you could actually choose, which for many employees weren't, weren't an item up for discussion before. You know, before yeah. then, it was you come to the office nine till five and you're working at this station. And yes, I don't. I know you don't like Betty over there and I know you don't like John over there, but hard luck. Um, there was all of a sudden yeah. there was this change and you had a bit of a, a, a limited amount of control over your circumstances compared to before. But for business owners, what they noticed was that during the pandemic, yes, there were aspects of control, but there was this huge beast coming in that was outside of their control that was potentially dictating the way they had to do things, i.e. the government telling um, pubs and restaurants that they had to close their doors, i.e. the government mm. telling shops that they had to queuing systems and make sure that people were two metres apart. Um, you know, all of this stuff actually led to a point where business owners were struggling because they were used to having it not necessarily on their own terms, but the stuff outside of their control was reasonably expected and reasonably able to be dealt with. So let's say they had something, you know, one of the typical hiccups, like a competitor opening next door. Well, if there was space for competitors to open next door, you should have expected that that could happen at some point. Um, yeah. If it was a tax investigation, if it was a uh, major customer going out, so it was things that you could mitigate for. And business owners were thrust into this position where very few had a risk register, let alone had a risk register that said, what about a massive pandemic coming over and forcing us all to <laughs> work from home and so forth? That, that wasn't on most of our radars, um, certainly not sort of a year before the pandemic. So, um, so, yeah, unfortunately, the impact of that, I had far more conversations about mental health in 2020 than I'd ever had before with business owners. And, um, you know, some of them were in really dark places. Some of them, it was signs of just being a little bit less enthusiastic, a little bit more withdrawn and so on, uh, maybe showing a bit of anger or, um, you know, maybe the early signs of challenges. But others, mm. it would be in a truly dark place. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to um, diagnose, but I, I suspect I may have seen bipolar. I suspect, unfortunately, I might have spoken to someone who could have, at that point, potentially been suicidal from some of the conversations. And um, it's something that if we're looking at stabilizing our business, we need to make sure that we have a resilient mindset. Now, a resilient mindset doesn't fix all mental health issues immediately because mental health wasn't just a thing that was um, generated during the pandemic. And it wasn't just something that was around since us blokes started talking about it. You know, we used to hide it, didn't we? We used to, if we felt a bit down, it would be embarrassing as a guy to talk about that. And thankfully, we've all moved to a place where we can talk quite openly about this stuff. But it's always, it's always been a thing. And it's not always necessarily 
within the control of just mindset and positive thinking and so on and so forth. But if, as business owners, we can preempt any, any unexpected mental health turns by making sure that we've got a bulletproof mindset and that we're thinking about things rationally and we're not allowing us to fall into a pit of despair and anxiety, that can only help keep us on track. And the, the that resilient mindset is a, a great place to kind of explore the next couple of points on because the pandemic over the last couple of years has been unprecedented in comparison to what other business owners and entrepreneurs have seen previously. And often enough experience builds that resilience because you can kind of see what happens, you understand how you uh, dealt with that situation personally or professionally to then enable you to go, right, if that happens again, I've been through it, I'm more resilient to it. And it's not a case of be having a hard outer shell or anything like that. Resilience is very much a case of being able to understand what's impacting you and ultimately being able to make decisions going forwards for that. And that kind of links with what I think we're seeing in this kind of like requirement to go to a stable environment to stop the, the pendulum swinging. Because we've come through the back of some very difficult times and people may still be in a dark place um, mindset-wise or even kind of from their mental health point. And often enough, it's a, it's a case of, I liken it to, to kind of roller coasters, that you really want to go fast on those rides. You absolutely love it. You come off of that roller coaster full of excitement and then actually you feel a little bit dizzy and you feel a little bit sick from going upside down 10 times. So suddenly you want to go, oh, do you know what, I'm just going to go sit down for five minutes. And that feels very much where business owners are at right now is that, okay, we've been through some ups and downs on the roller coaster. Now I want to have a little bit of steady time to get back to my business rather than having to have focused so much on how do I make ends meet or how do I just do the day-to-day -day of the business? How do I now get a moment of a breather and maybe that's a case of it's a breather for the next step as we've talked already for growth and then this is the the planning phase maybe that's what a lot of these businesses are doing right now so it, businesses have to be very adaptable well, i think we've explored that enough already and these external factors will help to build their resilience and help them to understand what the future could hold. But as we said, no one was able to predict the pandemic. No one's going to be able to predict what's coming next. The next couple of years will certainly be uh, uh, economic instability will probably continue till the end of 2024 from what people have seen. So if it's a case of people saying, I want to just go back to stay at stability within their businesses, and there's a, we know that there's a lot of uncertainty coming on. What are some of the things that business owners and entrepreneurs could do now to extend that stability, to help them to bridge the gap for some of the future uncertainties? Are there, there things that you're seeing in the way that people are working that might help with that? Yeah, sure. So I think that, again, so it comes back to that word resilience and how do they build mm. the resilience so that they can stabilise the business? Because but it's a um, often quoted phrase during the pandemic that you should put on your own life jacket before you help others. And the business yeah. owner, you know, the individual listening to this podcast, whilst you might think of yourself as your business and that you're interchangeable, you need to look after yourself to be able to look after your business. And that's often yeah. a distinction that we struggle to make because the business is our baby. And we will, you know, if we've got a big new, in normal times, we've got a big new customer pitch, we will um, work our socks off to make sure that goes out. And if they say jump, we'd say how high. So that's yeah. the, um, yeah, that, that's the kind of people we're dealing with. You know, you and I, Steve, and everyone listening, we've got to acknowledge, first of all, that we need to look after ourselves. So we need Agreed. to build our resilience to be in a place to be able to look after our business. So how do we build our resilience? Well, the first quote that I want to share is a really important quote that I would like everybody to write down if you're at home or in the office, if you're driving, please try to remember this quote, but don't write it down. Um, and it's a quote <laughs> by a mutual friend of ours, Steve, a guy called John Thompson. Um, I'm sure he's yep. heard it from somebody far more famous than John Thompson, but he's the one who shared it with me, which is that nothing is ever quite as good or as bad as it seems. So as humans, yeah. we've got a tendency to overthink and overimagine. So when we're thinking about our new business, we dream of um, you know opening 300 stores or 50 offices or employing 5,000 people and so on. That's the dream. 
when it comes down to it, the reality is that it's a lot of hard work, but also there's a lot of external obstacles that we never expected when we start out and we temper yeah. our dream and we find that the dream actually might not be for us we want to you know maybe we don't want to be working at that level but we'd be happy with five shops or 50 employees or whatever so um so we adjust our course along the way um but also when it comes to bad things never as things are never quite as bad as they seem either now a really good process that I'm currently urging all business owners to go through, and in fact, anybody can do, you don't need to be a business owner to do this, is a process called fear setting. Now, what right. fear setting is, it's, um, it's by a guy called Tim Ferriss, who was the author of The 4-Hour Workweek, and he shared it in a blog, and I read it, and there was a light bulb. It was like, wow, you know, first of all, I could see exactly where he ripped it off from. It's, it's an adaptation of a corporate risk register. But... Right. Um, what it can do for an individual is it can really help rationalize the things that can lead you towards overthinking. Okay, because overthinking can often be the prompt for anxiety or sleepless nights and so on, which can then be the prompt for things going on a bit of a downward curve. So how do you do fear setting? It's vital when there's external circumstances. Write down absolutely everything in your mind that's concerning you. Okay, so it could be in your business, but you're concerned about um, the tax rises, you're concerned about lots of customers, it could be that you're concerned about you know, all sorts of things, just, just write them all down. And then you want to score them on two metrics out of 10. The first one is the impact of it happening. And the second one is the likelihood of it happening. So you score them all yeah. from one to 10. And 10 being impact, it's going to kill you. And uncertainty is going to happen, not tomorrow, it's going to happen today. You know, you're facing, you're facing the situation, okay? So that puts some, um, some rationality behind your fears. So the process of putting them all down on paper and rationalizing them. So, you know, my biggest customer will go out of business. And if you put the, um, if you put the likelihood of that, you know, well, you know, their accounts, they seem quite cash rich you'll start to do a bit of looking around at the men and yet their order history hasn't dropped at all. Actually, the likelihood of this is a three, but the impact would be a five. Yeah. What it allows you to do then is to um, objectively look at the stuff that's outside of your control. Okay. So you look at the stuff that's outside of your control and often if there's something that's in mind that you believe is outside your control, there will be mitigating steps that you can take to minimize the impact. So there will be some stuff that's inside your control. So it might be with the customer, for example, you won't be able to stop them hitting difficulties with their bank. But what you would be able to do is improve your customer service proactively without them having to ask for it. You know, maybe they've had 10 customer complaints to you over the last two years. And maybe it could be a target for you to actually make sure there's no customer complaints and they send you an unprompted testimonial just as a metric of having done that. Now, what will that do? It won't stop them going completely bust, but during their next review of costs, you might not show up so brightly as you may have done with the complaints. So it allows you to, to actually analyze which ones are actually low impact or low likelihood or both. So, but I shouldn't be worrying. I shouldn't even be, they shouldn't be in my mind to put down on this bit of paper. Which yeah. ones are ones that you can mitigate and which ones are ones that you should just be mindful of? So once you've done that, it's the polar opposite of goal setting. And every business owner does goal setting of some sort, whether it's just writing down where you want to be in 10 years or whether it's a planned, smart goal setting process. Every business owner works out their goals, but they don't work out their fears. Yeah. Once you've got those fears addressed, you're then in a much better place to actually work on your business objectively and with an understanding of the priorities and the likelihood of impacts and so on of how you should tackle things. So that's a really good process for clearing your head and being in a place where you can start looking at this stuff. A lot of our listeners today will probably have taken a lot of the, the, the different things we've just talked about and kind of reflecting back on what they've been through. And let's, let's think about going forwards now for a lot of these small businesses. There's, we know there's uncertain times. And yes, those that are struggling to stay afloat or that want the stability, they really want to kind of get a breather space. 
or even just help with how they can stay afloat. A lot of this is around understanding your business, right? And trying to make sure, is your business in good health? And I know that there are a number of different high street banks and certainly accountants out there who will help to give a view as to the health of a business. And those that are in good shape shouldn't try and retrench because actually they're in good shape. Actually, don't, don't as you said, reinvent the wheel, doing well, keep going with what you're doing. But at the same time, and we, we touched on this in the previous part, is look for a plan B, C, D, because actually if something comes around the corner that is unexpected, at least you've got something else there. So are there other things that the business owners and entrepreneurs can start to think of where they are struggling to stay afloat for things that they could be doing now that will help them for the future? Absolutely. So you do need to be looking at the big numbers in your business. Um, so what I tend to do, I have, my mind is really simple, Steve. So I try to work to a rule of three and I try to cut things down to three numbers, but I monitor obsessively. And, um, you know, in my business, that could be turnover, gross profit margin and total overhead, for example, if I'm looking at the P&L. And to make yeah. sure that they're on track. Um, if you haven't got a process of managing your KPIs, or if you don't even know what your KPIs are, Make sure that you um, get some measures in place because, as they say, what gets measured gets managed. Um, yep. Next step on from that is to look at the actual activities that drive those results. So when you know where you want your results to be or where they have to be for you to survive, then look at what activities you need to do to be able to achieve those results. So it's a really simple thing, but often I see that businesses have heard about KPIs or have had KPIs in their previous job. But don't the business owner doesn't necessarily make the connection between the stuff they do and the result. So the plan is fanciful and it's based on results, but there's no structured way of actually hitting that target. So go down to then operational milestones. It could be if you've got a project that you need to implement to help you through this. Let's say it's new new software or similar. Make sure you've got the project mapped out. If it's just basic operational stuff. Make sure that you know how many leaflets you drop lead to an inquiry, um, how many inquiries on your website then lead to a form being filled in, then lead to a phone call, then lead to a new customer or, or whatever it is you do. Make sure that you um, get to the bottom of those ratios. And if you don't know those ratios, just start. Just start ambitiously with the first number. So if you've always dropped, I don't know, 5,000 leaflets through doors per month, drop 20,000, monitor the results, and then tweak that 20,000 upwards or downwards based on what the results are. So make sure that you're tracking your KPIs, but also tracking the activities towards those KPIs to make sure that you're on track. Now, yes, that sounds like a lot of boring reporting and management, but it's absolutely vital because we're not in the fluffy times where continual underperformance yeah. is still okay. We're at a point where, as a business, we need to be looking at what our break-even is. You know, how much do we need coming in to pay all the bills? And we need to make sure that we absolutely are above that rather than below that. And if we're below that, but we've got the plan B, C, D, E, F, we've got the funding lined up, et cetera, et cetera. So making sure that you're on top of the metrics of your business is key. The next one is to review the costs of your business. And yeah. this is what entrepreneurs who are not perhaps as ambitious as some will instinctively do. But I'm going to give a health warning here. Trim off the fat but don't cut to the bone. You can't, you can't actually grow a business through cutting to the bone. And the challenge mm. that, that happens, and you know, I'm by training I'm an accountant and I've been in the accounting space for a long time. Um, the challenge is if you would speak to many accountants about this, they will tell you to cut the costs, but won't necessarily look at the performance of a business afterwards. Yeah, that's the that's the comfortable place where you can make some immediate savings is to cut costs. But you need to make sure that you've still got sufficient investment into your business through costs to make sure that your technology keeps ticking over, to make sure that your people are still happy, to make sure that you're still getting new customers and to make sure that everything just runs smoothly. So what you should be doing in that is rather than slicing budgets and decimating whole teams and so on, you should actually be looking at what do we need to spend to get the same results? And what can we do smarter, better, wiser? So marketing could be a great example. Um, if you're passionate about PR, for example, but you've got a, you know, one of the big name PR agencies charging you two and a half grand per month, 
that's probably a luxury that isn't vital in your business right now. But you could either find a lower cost PR potentially, or you could actually take on some of the press facing activities yourself. Do you need your PR agent to sit in on those interviews with you? Or are you big enough and strong enough to speak to a journalist yourself? Because let's be honest, for most small businesses, they're not trying to trip us up. We're not we're not Unilever or a listed company. They're actually trying to highlight good stories in the community, which is strange for journalists, I know. Good news doesn't normally sell newspapers, but that's the reality. We can we can look at how we can cut the fluff away from what's going out in our business and actually look at the essential. Now, one of the challenges that we then face from that is that certainly in the current climate with you know, a drop in businesses for the first time, um, probably on recent record, um, a drop mm. of new businesses and certainly reduced customer spend, you just need to go to a high street to see there's lots of people but not many shopping bags. Um, yeah. Because of these circumstances, we are going to lose customers, whatever market we're in. Whether we're at the um, coalface with this or whether we are just in the supply chain behind the scenes, we're going to lose customers and we're going to lose volume and value at some point. So what we need to do is we need to make sure that we are intentional with the costs we spend, but also intentional about finding newer ways to do things that don't require costs. So... You know, a great example of this, again, I'm going to come back to marketing because that's one of my areas of personal passion rather than training. Um, but marketing, there's a whole host of um, guerrilla marketing tactic- tactics that you can use where, you know, they're a bit edgy and you can probably only do them once or twice, but where you can get your name out um, loud and clear for a very low cost compared to the return it gets you. Whereas the expensive PR agency, the expensive marketing consultants and so on, might be a bit more distance from you and actually dilute those efforts. So um, a great example of a brand that's done guerrilla marketing would be Grenade. Um, We've all heard of Grenade, the health supplements company. Well, they started, and it's not a low-cost activity, but for the impact it had on their business, it absolutely was low-cost. They hired a tank, made it look like a, yeah, put grenades on it and drove it through central London. They didn't pay for any billboards. They didn't pay for any PR companies and so on. They probably tweeted a couple of journalists, if I if I know Alan well enough, probably tweeted a couple of journalists and said, you might want to be in central London for this, but we'll send you pictures if not. And yeah. manage that process themselves. Again, probably a campaign, I don't know how much hiring a tank would cost, maybe 10, 20 grand. But to get an agency to do that would have probably been half a million pounds. So, so you mm. need to look at ways that you can... Get your business to be more efficient with its spend. And that doesn't just apply to marketing. So with your operations, make sure that you implement the rules of two-second lean. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's an old methodology where you're basically finding the marginal gains across the business. Um, it's probably worthwhile not just looking at marginal gains, but looking at massive gains that can be had by looking at your processes and systems and how they should have been adapted during COVID, but you probably just found a new way of working. Um, Is it now time to actually look at what you're doing and and the habits you picked up during COVID? Are they still appropriate? Are you just sticking plasters over a broken system? Can you improve this stuff with the technology that you've got now? Loads of stuff you can do. But the, the key element of that is making sure that the pennies going out of your bank account have all got a purpose. Uh, and the, the point you made there around the, the processes and the fact of obviously you you can trim the fat, don't trim to the bone, because th- there's a, a, a cost side of things to everything, but at the same time there's an efficiency piece to it. And you just touched on it there for processes, and certainly something from my own experience from working with a lot of small businesses and certainly in the, the services led industry is that they don't know the way that their processes have worked. And a lot of people have never kind of mapped it out. And one, one of the things I've been doing to try and help businesses through the last couple of years is spending a bit of time with them to mapping it out. And, and often enough, when you sit down and you ask them a number of questions, and a, any business owner could do this for themselves, is to go and say, right, how do we attract a, a customer? Or how do we provide this service? Think about your business as kind of the key elements of what you do. And just follow the steps that would go through from either the way that the service runs or how you deal with the customer and that life cycle bit, because most businesses haven't done that. And when you do that, you instantly identify, well, why are we doing it like that? That's just the way we've always done it. Well, 
it's an out-of-date process. That's it. And external impact on this is absolutely vital as well because mm. um, often as a, um, as a small business owner, if you haven't got to the stage where you've got a management team, a leadership team, and an executive board, the likelihood is you're getting stuck into certain areas of your business. So um, you're probably getting involved in the management, but also some of possibly some of the um, actual operations as well. Having an external view on this gives you a couple of benefits. So first of all, they have a helicopter view of your business. They've got no yeah. baggage of the past or the present. It's just looking at how it should be done in the future. Secondly, they've got the benefit of seeing other people's businesses. So they can bring best practice to you. And it is absolutely, again, that who not how analogy. It's mm. rather than, you know, yes, it's important to look at this stuff, but there's a real power to getting that external insight. Um, Steve, there was one last tip I wanted to give on the question before that I just want to cover, if that's mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, um, because I think it's really important that the listeners hear about people as well, because we've touched mm. on cost cutting and financing and finding gains in operations and marketing a bit smarter. Um, but actually, one of the key aspects that all entrepreneurs and leaders are going to have to face is that they're going to have to keep their teams motivated during these really tough times. And yeah. we shouldn't lose sight of the fact, yeah, we've touched on it earlier, that it is a cost of living crisis as well as a cost of business crisis. And team members will be struggling. Um, they will have, you know, some of them will have bought homes in the last couple of years and probably panicking about how on earth they're ever going to get out of this potential negative equity situation. Some of them will be having their mortgages doubling. Some of them will be finding it really hard to find properties to rent. Some of them will be finding it hard to put food on the table. There will be challenges, regardless of how much you pay your team. And um, unfortunately, life circumstances don't discriminate. I know this firsthand from the pro bono work I did for the Trussell Trust. So I helped the Trussell Trust to scale their food banks to a national organisation. And um, it, it was a, um, a common saying across the leadership team there that a food bank user is just as likely to turn up in a £30,000 car as to walk in without a car. They're just as likely to. The challenge is they've got their brand new car. They can't even afford to fill it up because they've had a circumstance out of their control, whether it's domestic abuse or lost a job or similar. And all of a sudden, they realise they're only a couple of steps away from a very dark place. So our team members, yes, we might feel that we give them good salaries and benefits and so on. But I think right now we need to go over and above in a couple of areas. So the first one is empathy. And to understand yeah. the very real challenges they're going through, they can't be fixed by throwing money at them because I would advise against small businesses chucking money at um, generic inflation pay rises right now. But what you can do is you can look at what you can do in your business to give them comfort around the things that matter. So, for example, um, in our business, we've got a cupboard just full of food. And it's there mm. if people want lunch, if they want to take it home for dinner, whatever. It's, it wasn't expensive. You know, we're not talking high quality Michelin star food. We're not, we're not even talking M&S. I don't know where it was bought from. But the idea is that without any, um, without any discrimination or potential negativity, people can just take what they need if they need it without any embarrassment. So little steps like that you can do would be absolutely key for helping your team stay on track. Secondly, to keep a keen eye on staff engagement. So yeah. whilst there are consultants that can do this, I, I have to say if we're looking to stabilise businesses, do it as cost effectively as possible, we do an anonymous type form and there's a templated engagement survey on there. So that's one way of cracking this nut and just find out what the feeling is on the ground because you'll find that not only will you get metrics of the engagement levels, but you get some great suggestions of team members saying, why on earth, when things are so tough, are we still putting things in the post? Or, you know, really obvious stuff like that will come out from this. And then thirdly, and this is perhaps the toughest one um, and where you're going to need a really resilient mindset, you need to you need to be extremely balanced in how you communicate with staff. I am not a fan of fake bravado and, um, yes, we're going to absolutely smash through this recession and do £10 million sales next year when you're doing 100000 today. I don't, I don't buy that, and your team yeah. members won't buy that either. Um, but also, they don't want to hear all of the blood, sweat, and tears and how hard it is for you. What they want is transparency and openness about the reality of the situation. 
They want to know that you've got a clear plan to help them drive through it. And they want to know that you've got their backs, not the other way around. Whereas as business owners in tough times, we want to know that our staff have got our backs. But we need to show them that we've got their backs. We trust them. This is the direction of how we're going to mitigate this crisis that we're in. Um, But we're going to give you the tools to do it. But you guys need to go and do it. That transparency and honesty around the situation with an injection of positivity is absolutely vital for any leader right now. That's a very kind of poignant point for us to kind of finish on is that it's not just around the cutting your cloth. It's not just around the reinventing processes for better efficiencies. Most small businesses and most entrepreneurs, the biggest asset they have is their people and therefore treating them as well as can be from a financial point of view, but also from an empathy point, as you just said, everybody's circumstances are different and everybody will be worrying and therefore working closely with them and being transparent and enthusiastic uh, rather than kind of the, the 10 million pound sales like you just mentioned there, that honesty level will go a long way with those staff from a retention point of view, but also from kind of bringing them up from a motivational point of view. So for those businesses that are listening today, there's a lot that um, could be done to stay afloat. We've covered a lot. Carl, any last thoughts from you on on what those businesses should be taking away from today? One last um, thing that I want to share. So this is something that I share in a number of my keynote talks, um, and it's actually retired now, so it no longer be shared on stage. So Steve, you've got the pleasure of being the very last person that hears this. Um, if you imagine that you're juggling some balls yeah you can juggle two balls three balls four balls you're probably going to drop one if they're rubber balls they bounce now the challenge is that in life in business and so on so this goes back to what we said at the start looking after the business owner right through to looking after the business and looking after other people you will have some glass balls as well as rubber balls it's absolutely vital that you focus on the glass balls you focus on what's important and if the rubber balls bounce They bounce for a reason. You can pick them back up again. Just make sure that when you're going down this process, that you look after the glass balls. That means you might have to make some very tough decisions on some rubber balls that are a bit fragile to protect the glass balls of your health, your finances, your family and so on. But make sure that you keep what's important at top of mind. Indeed. And some some very uh, brilliant last minute thoughts there from you, Carl. Thank you again, Carl, for joining us. We've got a plethora of other podcasts on our channel. Please do hit subscribe and don't forget to seek us out on all the usual social media platforms.